Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Let's pray together. Oh God, we are so grateful to be together in your house. We are grateful for your call on our church and for the fact that you are still speaking to us these many years. We're grateful that a council meeting can become a worship time and that we can, through your Holy Spirit, discern that which you are calling out of your people. We pray always that you would keep us absolutely faithful right in the center of your will for our church and for our lives. We thank you that you are faithful and that you are doing that even when we don't have all the answers. We pray now for your Holy Spirit to move and open our hearts and minds to what you say to us today through the words that we hear. Speak, O God, speak to your people that we may hear, receive, and grow. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Last Sunday, we uh, started exploring Peter's vision that happened on the house of Cornelius, or on the house of Simon the Tanner, excuse me. We worked through some of his religious hesitation to go with, he had to go with these unclean outsider people who were sent from Cornelius the Gentile. In these after Easter days, we are finding the Holy Spirit pushing religious boundaries and broadening our understanding of Who is my neighbor? That's what we're finding in these after Easter days in the Scripture. At the center of all this work, to be very clear, is Jesus Christ raised from the dead. That's what's most important. In our reading today, we're going to hear the rest of the story with Peter and Cornelius, what brought about Cornelius' desire to have Peter come and preach, and what happened there as a result of that preaching. The lives of Cornelius and his household were changed forever. So was Peter's life. It was changed forever, too. Let's hear what happened. Maybe our lives will be changed as well. Let's hear Acts chapter 10, picking up where we left off last week. Verse 23, the next day, Peter got up and went with them, and some of the believers from Joppa accompanied him. The following day, they came to Caesarea, that's on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. On Peter's arrival, Cornelius met him and falling at his feet, worshiped him. But Peter made him get up saying, stand up, I am only a mortal. 
And as he talked with him, he went in and found that many had assembled. And he said to them, you yourselves know that it is unlawful for a Jew, Peter is a Jew, to associate with me or to visit a Gentile, to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. Now, may I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius replied, four days ago at this very hour at three o'clock, I was praying in my house when suddenly a man in dazzling clothes stood before me. He said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon, a tanner by the sea. Therefore, I sent for you immediately and you have been kind enough to come. So now all of us are here in the presence of God to listen to all that the Lord has commanded you to say. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. As all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And then this is what happened. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited him to stay for several days. The word of God for the people of God. And so we say, thanks be to God. I cannot overstress or overstate the significance of what is happening here. A bunch of Jewish Christ followers, Jewish Christians, are in a place where they're not supposed to be watching people experience the presence and power of God in a way they are not supposed to be able to experience the presence and power of God. That's what's happening right here. This good news message, this Holy Spirit, this resurrection power of Jesus, they are all at work outside the bounds of where we thought they could work. With Peter, we are also surprised that God isn't keeping his own rules about when and where God will work. Actually, we're surprised that God isn't keeping the rules we 
as a community of faith had put on God based on our best understanding at the time. Before Jesus, you see, we had a much tighter understanding of the limits and exclusions of God's power to work. Once Jesus was raised from the dead, all of our understanding went out the window. Peter says it so poignantly in verse 34, I truly understand God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is acceptable to him, what is right is acceptable to him. For a Jewish man to say God shows no partiality, why, that's just mind-blowing, absolutely mind-blowing. The message translation, I think, gets to the original context a little better. This is another translation of the same verse. Peter exploded with his good news. It's God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. The message he sent to the children of Israel that through Jesus Christ, everything is being put together again. Why, he's doing that everywhere, among everyone. That's what Peter says, the implication for us is that our neighborhood no longer has any limits. God can be at work in any place among any people at any time. This is both beautiful and absolutely terrifying, isn't it? It scares us to death. We struggle. We struggle with this good news. I want to show you a little clip of Mr. Rogers. This is actually an outtake, and I'll say more about that in a minute. But we're going to see Mr. Rogers struggling in just a minute. I think I heard Mr. Rogers say a bad word. You just listen to see see what you think. Go ahead, play us, play that clip. See there? Looks a little like a teepee, doesn't it? Of course, a teepee is a real home for some people. Yeah. I want you to see how this works. I think this one's pulling out right there, Dan. Helps to have two people to put these up. See, there's somebody in there. 
frustratingly. Let me try it once more. Try it once more. Do you have any idea what this might be? <laughs> oh, I don't know if he said a bad word. Now, Presbyterians can cuss, I understand. They have a special permission to do that. We do not, but they do. Uh, they made kind of a deal about this in the movie about Mr. Rogers, and it, and it was quite a big deal. The production crew just, they laughed and had a good time, said, let's just cut that out and we'll get some people to kind of hide and make it look easier. And he said, he said, no, no, we're leaving it in. I want the children to see me struggle. They will learn it is part of growing up. Now, what a powerful lesson. I want the children to see me struggle. They will learn it is part of growing up. Let's get right to our struggle with Acts chapter 10. Here is this radically all-inclusive good news that is pushing our boundaries with a conditional statement right in the middle of it. Did you catch the conditional statement right in the middle of the radically inclusive good news? I know that you did catch it. It's in verse 34. If you want God and are ready to do as God says, the door is open. If you want God and are ready to do as God says, the door is open. Our ears hear this like a loophole in our cell phone contracts, okay? We get all excited. We go grab our lawyer from Luke chapter 10. Do you remember our lawyer from Luke chapter 10? We bring him to the table and say, Mr. Lawyer, read Acts 10, 34, and now ask your favorite question, and who is my neighbor in light of Acts 10, 34? That's what we like to do. Surely, Peter means for us to understand our neighbor as one who wants God and is ready to do as God says. Oh, this would be a great help to us to get to use Acts 10.34 as a scalpel to cut off some troublesome neighbors. <laughs> Not because we're mean and judgmental, but just because we're tired and uncomfortable because of some troublesome neighbors, and maybe we're also a little judgmental. It would help us to begin hacking away at the list of people we're supposed to, as Romans 15 and 7 says, accept as Christ has accepted us. As is often the case in these kinds of religious arguments, when we do that, we are absolutely missing the point of the whole thing. The resurrected Jesus is at work in every human heart regardless of our many religious boundaries and rules. If we believe in the resurrection of Jesus, we must honor that fact with our love for them. Love, agape, love which expects nothing in return. Yes, I hear that, but I also want to ask, what about order and discipline and righteousness? Is it not the case that if we go down this road with Peter, first removing, you remember from last week, removing Leviticus 11, and then Leviticus 25, and then not requiring circumcision, and then not teaching these people to be Jews first, and then not requiring them to take up our basic religious traditions. And then you got Paul with Galatians 3.28, no longer slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, man nor woman, and then this, and then that. Where does it end, Peter? Where does all of this end? It'll just be anything goes. That's where we'll get to. It'll just be anything goes if we go down this road with Peter. Friends, 
Since the earliest days of the Christian church, this struggle has been at the heart of our deepest controversies. The fear is always that this radical welcome of neighbor, the one that Jesus models for us, that this radical welcome of neighbor will get us to a dangerous place where anything goes. That's always the concern. We get all, to use a theological term, we get all boogered up on this, okay? Let me be very clear. The church of Jesus Christ will never be a place where anything goes. That is not who we are. We are a place where all are being made whole and holy by the grace of God at work in our hearts. That's our story. That's who we are. God meets us right where we are and loves us far too much to leave us there. That is the story that we tell each other every single Sunday. Some of us have just started, some have been at it a long time, and others are stalled out somewhere. But we are all on that same journey. We are not a place where anything goes. But the church of Jesus Christ is to be the one place in the world where everybody is welcomed. We must be that the one place in the world where everybody is welcomed no matter what. Because we have come to believe, as it says later in Acts 11, with Peter and the apostles, that God shows no partiality, that God has given even to the outsiders the repentance that leads to life. Our hearts and minds tell us that we can't have everybody welcomed without the ever-dangerous anything goes. Our faith tells us, yes, we can. May I introduce you to Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, who says we can and we will. He does not say it will be easy. It is never easy. Today in the church, we are caught up in culture wars and a changing society. The, the church gets hammered from all sides. Oh, my goodness, make a statement, make a stand, be more clear. To answer the demands of those on the inside, we have to become Pharisees. To answer the demands of those on the outside throwing rocks, we must become social justice warriors or we're somehow irrelevant. While we try and placate all of these demands to the ones Jesus calls our neighbors, we start looking like uncaring, a judgmental institution who passes out religious sugar pills like communion. We're either, it seems, trying to welcome people with anything goes or trying to overcompensate by making clear who is not welcome before they ever drive up in the parking lot or worst of all, trying to do both, trying to do both of those things. What we're really saying is that all of us, progressive Christians, conservative Christians, moderate Christians, we may care way more about our own comfort and convictions than we do about the 77% of our neighbors who are currently avoiding church as much as they can. Like Mr. Rogers with that tent, we are struggling. We're struggling big time. And that's the point. We must struggle through the life-giving tension we feel in this radical call to love neighbor as we love ourselves, as we love God with our whole being. Mr. Rogers was right. 
it's okay to let folks see you struggle. What is not okay is to stop struggling because we'd rather be comfortable while three quarters of our neighbors are embracing life without Jesus. Thanks be to God, we're not going to do that here. (laughs) We will struggle on, won't we? We will struggle on loving God with all of our heart, our soul, our strength, and our mind, and loving our neighbors, all of our neighbors, as we love ourselves. That's who we are called to be, and that's who we're going to be as we go forward. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, may the people of God say, Amen.